for standing. May be seated. Good morning. Thanksgiving is officially over, so it is now okay to say Merry Christmas. So hit the person next to you and wish them a Merry Christmas. Touch your neighbor, smack your neighbor, whatever you got to do, and wish them a Merry Christmas this morning because it is officially the Christmas season has begun. How many of you brave Black Friday shopping? I'm just curious. Ooh, okay. We had a few of you that brave Black Friday shopping. How many of your Black Friday consist of Amazon Prime? I'm just curious. There we go. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. From the comfort of your couch or your bed, that's how shopping's supposed to be, okay? That's awesome. Well, we are in the middle of this uh, great time of year where it's just kind of like exciting things are happening, and I love it. There's so many magical things that are happening, and uh, for so many reasons, but there's so many great movies around Christmas, aren't there? Don't you have your favorite movie? How many of you, It's a Wonderful Life is your favorite movie? There we go. Excellent. All right. It's not really a Christmas movie. I get pushed back from that, and uh, the reason being is because It's a Wonderful Life. Life. They needed to fill airtime around the Christmas season, and they were looking for the cheapest movie, and It's a Wonderful Life wasn't that well known, so they kept playing it over, and now it's a Christmas tradition, and it's great, you know, Zuzu's Petals, and uh, Merry, Merry Christmas, you know, I mean, it just, you can't get enough of Jimmy Stewart, just awesome elf, any elf fans in the house, that's what I'm talking about, Buddy the Elf, that's excellent, okay, Buddy the Elf is great, any National Lampoon's Christmas fans, National Lampoon's, yes, exactly, eggnog. I mean, uh, cousin Eddie, I mean, you just can't beat it. Uh, what about a Christmas story? Yes, there we go. You're going to shoot your eye out. You know, it's great. Uh, any, uh, Grinch fans in the house? Any Grinch fans? You like the Grinch? Okay. Miracle on 34th street. Classic or remake? Hmm. Oh, okay. Classic. There we go. Classic. Okay. All right. Now here for my all time favorite Christmas movie is Die Hard One. Yes, that is my, that's what I'm talking about. It is a Christmas movie. Is it not? That's a Christmas movie. And don't tell me it's not. The whole thing takes place around Christmas, but we love Christmas time. And here at Southridge, we teach through series five to eight weeks long. We'll do a series. You say, why do we do a series like that? Because we want you to have easy on-ramps to invite your friends, your co-workers, and your neighbors to come to church. And sometimes when we change up the series, it gives you an opportunity to invite somebody to church. Say, hey, we're starting a new series. Why don't you come check it out? It's all about, do you see what I see? Because today, many people wonder, does God really see what I see? I mean, you watch the news like I watch the news. Thank God for the rain. But I mean, look at all the forest fires and all the destruction we have all over California. And thank God for the rain that it put out those fires. But I mean, the devastation is there. You hear about the shootings. You see it on the news. And it just seems like every time you turn on the TV, it seems like there's one more bad thing. Now you just go to Facebook. And that's sad to say. It's where I get most of my news. So it could all be fake. I don't even know. I, I don't know. It's just That's where my news comes from most of the time. I don't watch a lot of TV. And so, but it just kind of seems like there's so much, uh, that's out there. And, uh, but during this season, we try to focus on certain things. And so this series, do you see what I see is going to dive into that very topic because we're asking ourselves this question of God, do you see it all? 
God, do you see my bank account this time of year? And I need to go buy presents. God, do you see my relationship status on Facebook? It still says single. Uh, God, do you see the gas tank on my car? I mean, God, do you see the bald tires? God, do you see the job situation? God, do you see the relationship situation? God, are, are you seeing this? You see, the hardest part, if you're a Christ follower this morning, the hardest part is that you know God can fix it. That's, that's hard. You know God can and then you know that God has fixed it for others. The hardest part is, will God fix it for you? That's what's really hard. That's where the struggle is, isn't it? It's like, it's not that you wonder if God has the power to do that. That question has been settled. You know that God has the power and that you know that God has done it for others. The question is, will he step into your situation? The thing that's keeping you up at night, the thing that's frustrating you right now, will he speak into that situation? Because we look at the, the, the Christmas narrative and the passage of scripture that are surrounding the Christmas story. And for a lot of us, we just focus on Mary, Joseph, the wise men, the shepherds, and the angels. And that's the Christmas story. But there's so much more to it. And I think too often we don't look at these characters and their cries and their chaos that they went through. Because I think Sometimes we look at the Christmas season, it's all just fun. But then for some of us, this will be the first season where that loved one won't be around the table. This will be the first season where things are changed in our relationship status. Or this will be the first season where it seems like things are difficult and it's harder now. And it's real easy to just step back and say, God, are you seeing what I'm seeing? God, do you care? Will you speak into this situation? And the hardest thing is because we'll say something like this. Maybe you've said it. It's not supposed to be this way. We look at the Christmas season and we say, I thought I'd be farther along in my job. I thought I'd be at a different situation in my life. I thought the relationship would be better. I thought I'd have more money in the bank. I thought my career would be off and going. And we step back and we're looking at ourselves. We're saying, it's not supposed to be this way. And that's what brings us to Luke chapter number one. And if you have a copy of God's word, would you open to Luke chapter number one? If you don't, on the seat back in front of you, there's a Bible. That's our gift to you. You can take that, and you can have a copy of God's Word. That's our gift to you. You can have that. Or it'll be up on the screens. And uh, let's go to God's Word this morning, and let's look at what he has to say as he speaks into this situation. Luke chapter 1, verse number 5. It says, When Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. So both of these people have a great pedigree. Uh, you could say Christian parents. You could say they came up in the right house. They kind of have known about God and followed God from a young age. Verse 6 says, Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all the Lord's commandments and regulations. But they had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive and they were both very old. Now, this is precursor to the Christmas story. Zechariah and Elizabeth are related to Mary. And we're going to see how that story connects in just a moment. And I don't know if this is bad, but I take some consolace in the fact that here's a people that are living right, but life isn't turning out right for them. 
Because sometimes I feel like, God, I'm doing all that I should be doing. I go to church, I give them the offering, and I serve in rich kids, and so everything should work out. Because God, do you know how bad those kids are in rich kids? I mean, I'm lucky to come out of there alive, okay, God? And so, God, you should treat me better because of what I've done for you. And you can be living right this morning, and sometimes when life isn't going right, it's almost more frustrating. Because then you look at your friends who are like, I'm an atheist and I don't believe in God and I don't go to church and and I don't serve and I don't give. And you're like, their life looks so easy. God, it's not supposed to be this way. And we step back and we look at this couple and we're thinking the one thing they would want is a child. And in that day and age, it was considered a fact that you had some sin in your life. That's why God wasn't blessing with the child. Later on, it'll even clarify it that uh, Elizabeth will even say when, when later on in the chapter that God, if you give him a child, you would take away my reproach. You would take my shame away if you would just give me children. But I want to contrast Elizabeth and Zechariah's story with another girl in the same passage, beginning in verse 27. It says that an angel came to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. She's about to She's engaged, about to have a wedding, and you could just imagine. She's like, yes, I'm getting a paid-for wedding. Yes, God is going to take care of the dress, the bill. All right, we can invite a 100 more people because we can pay for it, and the wedding's going to get that much better. But notice what the angel says. It says, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Because the first story is about a couple who can't have kids, and the second story is about a girl who shouldn't have kids. And that's where we step back and we say, it shouldn't be this way. You see, I think we look at the Christmas story and we look at it as all happy and joy and fun and it has a lot of joy to it, but it also has a lot of difficult tension to it where things aren't happening like we thought. And the hardest thing to come to terms with is the fact that it's not supposed to be this way. This weekend, I was assembling a coffee table and, uh, you know, I, I've start, I've stopped shopping at Ikea and I started shopping at living spaces. The furniture is a little bit better quality, a little bit nicer, but it's Ikea prices because I'm tired of spending half a day trying to put together an Ikea furniture when you're like, I'm just going to throw it in the fireplace. It'd make better firewood than me trying to build it. So I went to a uh, living space and I got a coffee table and I'm putting together the coffee table and it's all built and I turn it over and I set it up, but the coffee table came up to about here and I was like, that's not not right. Something's, something's wrong here. I know I have blonde roots, but sometimes I, I figure things out rather quickly. And I knew something was wrong with my coffee table. And then I looked at my end table and my end table was really low. And my coffee table was like a regular table. And I was like, what's wrong with the picture? This shouldn't be this way. I switched the legs. So I had to go all the way back through those little parts and I had to put the correct legs on it. That's a silly illustration. But a week and a half ago, I got a call from a good friend who said his wife was hit by a car and it was in a serious car accident. It was two nights ago. My next door neighbor knocks on my door and I, and I wave at him. We talk, but he's not a real talkative guy. As a matter of fact, I've been calling him Phil since I moved into the house in 2013. His name's Dave and just shows how good our relationship is. But he answered to Phil, so it's not my fault. And, uh, but he knocks on the door 
tears in his eyes and we rarely talk. Uh, my wife's invited him to church a couple times, said he stopped going to church years ago. And he said, my brother's dying. Can you pray for him? First of all, he said, hey, are you still a pastor? And I said, yeah, last I checked, unless you know something I don't, this has happened before. So it uh, could be deja vu. Don't scare me. Typically, it comes in October, but sure, why not? Thanksgiving's a great time, too, you know? And uh, so, you know, he comes and he, he tells me what he's, what he's going through. I got a text message last night that a couple has had to, a spouse has had to put a restraining order against her spouse. And then all of a sudden I step back and I think, this isn't supposed to be this way. Because all these people were like Zechariah and Elizabeth, righteous, good people, dotting their I's and crossing their T's, good church people. But what do we do when it seems like we're in a season of suffering? What do we do when it seems like not only are we in this season of suffering, but it also seems like a season of silence because you're praying your heart out and you don't feel like you're hearing from heaven. And you're just kind of like this couple, Elizabeth and Zechariah, and you're like, we're in our late eighties. We've been praying for a child. And now you've just kind of given up. Like why keep praying about it? But here you find this couple and they're praying. And this morning I want to speak into that. Because here you have one girl, she's planning a bridal shower. Now it's turning into a baby shower. And you've got this other couple. So what do we do? How do we make sense of the suffering? Because isn't it amazing that sometimes when we're suffering, God seems distant? Seems like God's just distant. But when we look at this Christmas story, we actually are picking up this passage. We haven't, in the scripture time, Old Testament ends at the book of Malachi, which Malachi is kind of in the middle of your Bible. That's the last time we hear at all from God. There's no revelation. There's no prophecy. There's, there's, there's no, nothing, no communication from God. And then fast forward 400 years later to Zechariah. For 400 years, God's been silent. And here's the thing, when it comes to silence and distance, distance doesn't separate people, silence does. Because you can be a thousand miles away from somebody, but with a text message, you feel close, don't you? With an email, you feel close. A smiley face emoji, you feel close. Even though they're distant, but you can be in the same room and not talking and feel distant. Because it's not the distance that separates, it's the silence. And some of us this morning feel so distant from God because we're like, God, there's silence. But for 400 years, there's been silence and all of a sudden, God's going to speak. And that's what we're going to see. And God's going to speak to this priest, Zechariah. And it's amazing what God's about to say to him. And we see that God's going to speak something. Because I want to say to you this morning, the season of silence is over. God spoke and he's speaking now. And he wants to speak to you. He wants to speak into the suffering. And here's what he does in verse number 11. The Bible says this, while Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Underline the word heard. Because I think sometimes we, we think, God, do you see what I see? And I love this verse because Zechariah has been praying for a child when you would think he would stop around age, oh, I don't know, age 40 or 50. 
maybe for sure by 60. But scholars tell us he's roughly around the age of 88 years old. And now Jesus through sends Gabriel to say, hey, tell them their prayer has been heard. That goes to show us that this morning, it's not the distance doesn't separate, it's the silence. But God's silence does not equal God's absence. God's silence doesn't equal his absence. So this morning, if you feel like, God, where are you? God is speaking this morning. He wants to help you and encourage you this morning. That God sees what you see. But not only does God see what you see, God sees more than what you see. You see, God sees it. You feel like you're suffering in silence, you're suffering alone, but God's like, no, I I see it. I see the pain. God sees you, God hears you, and God hasn't forgotten about you. So Gabriel begins to tell Zechariah this amazing announcement. You're going to have a baby boy. And then he goes to talk about this boy in verse 14. He says, you will have great joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. Just imagine, that's what every father wants to hear, isn't it? Hey, your boy is going to be a great boy. Hey, he's going to do great things. I mean, any, any parent in this room, when you first hold your child, it's like the life of your child flashes before your eyes. And you can just picture what they may become and what they may do and the future and the life that that child may have. And all of a sudden, you just see it in a moment. You can think of the college, the career. You start thinking of who they're going to date and who they're going to marry and, and, and what you're going to do if they ever break that little girl's heart. You're like, I will go to jail for you. I will, I will murder for you. I mean, this thing is like five minutes old and you were like, anybody hurts you, they're dead, dead. I will go to jail, no problem. And it's just that love that you have. And here Gabriel is telling Zechariah, this is going to be a great son. But you would think Zechariah would be overwhelmed with joy. But notice what Zechariah says to the angel. The angel says, he will be a man with the spirit of power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. And Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. Did you see how, how nice he says it? He's like, I'm old, but my wife, she says well along. Like that's, that's a good line, husbands. Like we need to learn from that, how he like discreetly, oh, I'm an old man, but she's just well along. Like, well, like that's, that's kind of nice. It's like, oh, it's just well along in years. You know, she's just, she has a lot of wisdom. You know, there's still plenty of tread on those tires. You know, I mean, it just, I just like the way he speaks to the angel. I mean, the angel should give him brownie points. At least, you know, he has a good marriage. So he's talking, he says this, but he says, I still want proof. I want to know, I want to know proof. But then we see what God says. And the angel said, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled in the proper time. So he felt like he was going through a season of silence. But now the Bible says that he becomes deaf He can't hear and mute, which means he can't speak. So no longer he thought he was going through a season of silence. Now he's in a season of silence that he's created. Now he can no longer hear sound, nor can he produce any sound. And here's what's so powerful about that. Because the Bible says, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if he can't hear, his faith can't increase. Why? Because of his doubt. You see, sound is powerful this morning. You see, sound goes forth. Sound echoes. Sound impacts. Sound does things. 
When a baby is first born, the one thing the doctor wants to hear is that baby cry. They want to hear it give a sound this morning. It, uh, bats fly by sonar. That's they give off a sound, and that's how they 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 fly. Uh, submarines navigate the oceans through sonar, and it's sound, and it's this powerful thing. And now here's this person. He he can't speak. He can't hear. He can't give off a sound. And he can't receive a sound. You say why is that? Because the sound he would have given out and off was the sound of doubt. And this morning, I think too often, that's the sound we give out. You see, God declares what he wants to do, what he can do, what he will do. And we're just giving off the sound of doubt. Like, God, I don't know. Can you prove it? God, are you sure you can do it? What is the sound that's coming out of your life this season? Is it a sound of, I don't know, God used to, God should, but he won't. And it's the sound of doubt this morning. See, sound is powerful. Sound has impact. And it seems to me too often, we're not giving off a good sound. We're just giving off noise. You know what noise is? Noise is just unwanted sound. You ever look at your kids? Hey, quiet. They're just making noise. Like, stop that noise. What is noise? Unwanted sound. And too many times I feel like our lives are just giving off this unwanted noise. And it's not what God has for us. And it's not what God wants. God wants a sound of faith. Let's contrast Zechariah with Mary. What does Mary say? The exact same announcement. You see, this story isn't really about Mary and Elizabeth. It's actually about Mary and Zechariah. Because Zechariah doesn't answer with faith. Instead, he answers with doubt. But notice how Mary, she responds. You see, God says, hey, you are going to be overshadowed with the Most High. And you're going to give birth. And then she says this simple thing. She says, behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to your word. That's a much different response than what Zechariah gave. Zechariah was like, I want proof. And isn't that so much like us? We want proof that things are going to work out. You're like, I'm in a season of suffering. I'm in a season of silence. God, I know what Romans 8, 28 says. And we know that all things work together for good. That's a great promise. But can you give me a little proof of that promise? We want the proof. But God's like, I need you to live by faith. I need you to believe that this is going to work out. I need you to stick with it. I need you to understand that, guess what? You're supposed to simply say, God, I'm going to trust you. You see, there's a difference. Zechariah resisted because he wanted proof that there is a plan to fulfill this promise. He wanted proof that there was a plan. He wanted to say, hey, lay it out for me. You know why? Because he's all about the outcome. He's all about the outcome. And sometimes we come to church that way, right? You come to church say, hey, I want you to give me five points how to fix my marriage, and I'm going to do all those five, and my marriage better be fixed. I want to follow a financial plan and do all five, and it better fix my finances. I want to go to the gym five times in 2019, and I want to have the body of a model. All right? I'm going to go five times. I want a plan. Here's the outcome that I want. I go to a dietitian. The dietitian gives me a plan for my meals. I follow the plan. Here's the outcome. But the problem is, we want that from God, and God's like, I'm not going to give it to you, because that doesn't require any faith. Because you just get the plan. You're like, okay, I just worked the plan. So when you work the plan, guess what? Who gets the credit? We, I worked the plan. I get the credit. God just gave it to me, but I worked it, so I get the credit. And God's like, no, 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 you're not going to get the credit for this. You're not going to live by a plan, you're going to live by a promise. But today, many of us, we want the plan and not the promise. And God's like, that's not how I operate. You see, while, while Zachariah resisted, we see Mary, she received. You see, Mary, she trusted the promise and surrendered her plans. What were her plans? A wedding, an engagement party, saying yes to the dress. 
maybe getting an NBC special on her wedding or something. That was her plan. But what did she do? She said, hey, this is the handmaid of the Lord. I surrender my will. Whatever you want, I'll surrender my plan. You see, this morning, many of us, we're making our plans for what we're going to do for God. And we're not recognizing that God is saying, hey, let me make the plans. Let me just give you the promise. And we just follow through on the promise. We just say, God, you've given me these promises. God, you've given me these precious promises that you've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging bread. So God, I know that you're going to be there. God, your word says there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. So I know while I go through a season of suffering, while it seems like there's silence, God, I know you're with me. I know you care for me and I know you're not going to abandon me. You see, that's the promise we need to cling to. But too often we're stuck in a season that's all about, I just need to feel good. And this is the feel good season, isn't it? Come on, it's the feel-good season. Going, going shopping makes some of you feel good. How many of you, let me see your hands. Just shopping feels good. It gets a little, like, rush and everything. And, oh, we got some dudes in here that don't mind shopping, you know? I see your shoes. Yeah, those are cute shoes. Those are really nice. Yes, you enjoy shopping. Or how many of you guys, you're the tech. If you can get some new tech stuff, you know, latest gadget, that makes you feel good. Oh, bunch of liars in here. I've seen you guys showing off your iWatch, your phones, and everything. Uh, how many of you, you're a foodie. Foodie makes you feel good. My hand's up. I love food. It's so good. I had so much delicious food over the week. It was great. So we have all these things that make us feel good. And the problem is this season, it's all about feeling good, isn't it? All about feeling good. And many of us, we just want to feel good at the cost and expense of doing good. You see, here's what's the problem. We want to feel good without doing good. But that's not how it works. You see, God has this thing that's, that he, he, he teaches. He says in Ephesians chapter number two, verse number 10, for you are his workmanship created to do good works. You see, that's why we were created to do good works. You see, God said, Zachariah, I created you to do good and you want this plan that you could figure out and this outcome because you want to feel good and you're not wanting to simply do good this morning. We need to get back to the fact and say, God, I will surrender my plan to you. I will surrender my plans and I'm going to focus on your promise because God, I want to not just feel good. I want to do good. And this morning, what's happening as you chase good, it progressively destroys the good in your life. Because we live in an age of indulgement. We just overindulge. You see it everywhere. And this is the season to overindulge, isn't it? And, and, and we all did. We all did. Come on. I'm not trying to pick on anybody. But we overindulge eating. And maybe we overindulge in spending. Or maybe we overindulge in, 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 in extra things. But sometimes what happens is we don't stop. It just keeps going. It just keeps going. And we leave in this, this society, in this generation, where we're just kind of indulge, indulge, indulge. And we're not focused on doing good. We're just focused on feeling good. But here's the paradox that if you will do good, you will feel good. Last year, there was a big story. It came out in November, 2017. It was about a man by the name of Johnny Babbitt. Did you guys hear of Johnny Babbitt made it on the today show and made it on a couple things? Johnny Babbitt was a homeless person. And uh, there's a woman, a young lady. She broke down in a bad neighborhood in Philadelphia in the middle of the night. And she's about to get in her car, and this homeless person, Johnny, goes up to her and says, Ma'am, this is a very dangerous neighborhood. Get in your car. Wait for me. I'll go get you gas. And in the story, Johnny goes and spends his last $20, brings her gas. She goes back. Well, she's so grateful. She comes back to the spot with money and gift cards. And she hears Johnny's story. Used to be a United States Marine. Used to be a helicopter uh, pilot. But he, he, he was down on his luck, and things happened, and now he's homeless. But did you hear the rest of the story that came out this year? It was all a hoax. They made it up. 
all of it's fake. They got together and they did a GoFundMe account and they shared this beautiful story. They raised over $400,000 for Johnny, but all of it was fake because what were they pursuing? They wanted feel good, not do good. And today I feel like the church is filled with feel good, not do good. Next week, it's not about feeling good. It's about doing good first, for we are created to do good works. So we're going to grab a Christmas tree next week. We're going to find a single mom. We're going to put it on her car and we're going to say, God bless you. Our church cares about you, but more than our church cares about you. Jesus died for you. He loves you. He wants you to know that there's a place that you can belong. And our church next Sunday is going to give over $10,000 for this event. Our church is going to pay your tithes, your offering that comes in, make an impact. Why? So that family that's struggling, now they have a free tree, which frees up their margin in their account. So they may be able to go get a Christmas dinner or they may be able to buy a Christmas present for their child. Have you thought about this the next time you're at the Goodwill? If you see somebody in the toy section buying kids, buying toys for their kids, it's because they can't afford a brand new toy. So maybe this year you go out of your way and you say, hey, let me buy that for you. Because I can tell if you're here at, around the holidays at the Goodwill looking for toys, guess what? You're struggling. Let me buy it for you. Or let me just give you a hundred bucks and you go get some new toys. You see, too often we're focused on feel good. And I'm not trying to put us down, but I'm trying to say, remember why we created. You see, Zachariah, he's all about the feel good right now. He doesn't want to go through the promise, the pain. He feels like he's suffered enough. And I know that you're hurting. I know that you're going through difficult times. But remember, church, remember that God didn't just come to give us the promise. See, God gives a promise, not the plan. And many of us are like, God, just give me a plan. But why? Because God wanted to excavate some things out of Zachariah's life. There were some things he had to pull out. There were some things he needed to root out of his life. Why? Because God always excavates before he ever elevates. And some of us, we want God to elevate us. We want him to exalt us. But God's like, no, no, I need to do some deep work. I got to do some things internally. I got to clean out here so that you can go to the next level. I got to work underneath the surface. I got to do the work that nobody else will see. You see, Zachariah, he was questioning God's timing. He was doubtful of God's promises. And then overall, he felt like, guess what? This is hurtful. And some of us, we would resonate. We would say, God, hey, this is doubtful. This is hurtful. And man, I'm just going to question this because why we're stepping back. We're saying it should not be this way. And you'd probably be right. You probably shouldn't be suffering. You probably shouldn't be in pain. You probably shouldn't be alone. You probably should have more money in the bank account. You probably should get a promotion. All these things should probably have happened, but they didn't. So what now? Do we just sit back and say it's just kind of over and give up? Or do we say, you know what? God, you see us. God, you care. Because God sees us not just for who we are, but for what we can be. And so God's going to speak into that. And so God's going to speak into what he's wanted to pull out of us and what he wants us to become because God is focused on what, not just giving Zachariah a child, he's focused on Zachariah, you've got to grow in this area. You see, Mary, scholars say she's probably 14 to 16 years old. Well, Zachariah, he's a priest, but who had the better response? Mary. We have a lot to learn, don't we? About our response. It's really easy to get tripped up and hung up on things that should not be. But yet here we step back and say, God, there's some things you want to do in my life. And the biggest thing is we need to confront our fear. You see, the biggest thing in Zachariah's life was the fear that was controlling him. The fear that was limiting what he could see. Because the fear said, hey, I need more than a promise. I need something else, God. I need some more from you. 
And it's real easy to give in to fear around the holidays. Like, how am I going to afford things? What am I going to do? How is this situation going to work out? And we could just get fearful because we felt like this year was going to be a great year. And we felt like we'd be farther along. And all of a sudden, we're coming up to 2019. We can't believe that we haven't accomplished anything. We're looking at our New Year's resolutions that we stopped on January 3rd. And we're thinking, I got to catch up. I still got some time. I need to fix these things. And it's fear that's controlling us. As I was talking earlier, I said I like Christmas movies, but one of my favorite Christmas movies is a short one, and it's the Charlie Brown Christmas movie. Anybody, you watch the Charlie Brown Christmas movie? Any, anybody, you enjoy that? It's just a funny one. I enjoy it. I think it's funny. You blockhead. You know, that's just a great line. Only an older sister could call her little brother a blockhead. Oh, see how sad this tree is? This is such a sad tree. I bought this on Amazon and they sent me a broken one. As if it wasn't sad enough, they're like, we're going to send you a one a broken tree. So, I mean, this is sad. I think this is sadder than what Charlie Brown had. I think his was slightly an upgrade to the one that I have. You know, this is just a very sad Charlie Brown Christmas tree. But I love the story for so many reasons because Charlie Brown is going around and he's looking for Christmas. He's looking for the reason for Christmas. And, and you may be familiar with the story, but he's like, why is Christmas so commercial? He tried tries to go buy a Christmas tree and he's looking for a real tree and the Christmas tree lot doesn't have a real tree. They're all fake. Now, this is a really serious matter. We need to take care of right here and right now. How many of you, you're a purist. You have a real tree. Come on, let me see those hands. You have a real tree. All right, you definitely are more spiritual than the first hour because there was only about three or four that had a real tree. How many of you only have a fake tree? Fake tree people in the house? Okay, my hand's up too. I was just judging the others. It's fine. We, we have a fake tree. It's cheaper. I'm not going to spend 65, 75 bucks every year. I'm going to buy a fake one and I'm going to reuse it year after year after year. As a matter of fact, this is my new tree right here. <laughs> That's it. That's my tree. All right. Pray for me. Okay. And uh, so we see that when it comes to our Christmas trees, man, we got real or fake. And Charlie Brown's like, does anybody know the reason for Christmas? And one of the characters, Linus walks up and says, sure, Charlie Brown. Steps out on the little stage in that school. He says, lights, please. And he says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And it's a great scene. Kind of, kind of touches you a little bit. Kind of, kind of makes your eyes water just a little bit watching that scene. But the best part is the part that we almost miss. It's because Linus is a character that's best known for his little blue blanket. It's his security safety blanket. It's the thing that when he's afraid, he's got his little blue blanket. And whenever he's going through something, he's got his blanket. And when they did the great pumpkin, he's hiding with his blue blanket. And whenever he's afraid, he had his comforting blanket there. And uh, he, whenever he was afraid and he had anxiety issues, he had fear and panic issues. But as long as he had his blanket. And guess what? Throughout the show, he always held the blanket. Except for one time. Christmas story. I intentionally left off the first part when the angel said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you great tidings, great joy, which be to all people. And Linus, when he says, Fear not, for the first time, the last time, and the only time in the history of that show, drops his security blanket. What did he do? He confronted his fear. You see, what's holding many of us back is the fact that we're not going to confront our fear. And if you will not confront your fear this holiday season, you will never confirm your calling. 
You see, Zechariah was called to be a priest. He was called to live with faith. And yet he missed it. Why? Because he said, this shouldn't be this way. And you may be sitting here thinking, it should not be this way. It should have been different. And you're right. But what happens is we get stuck and it shouldn't be this way. And for many of us, we step back and we could say like Zechariah and we feel that we, we, we deserve something better. And you're right, we do. And what happens is we feel like our hope is hijacked. But I'm telling you this morning, there is help for your hope. I'm telling you this morning that as we look at a broken tree, that we understand that it's a picture. Because you're right, it's not supposed to be this way. But I love what Jesus says. You see, Jesus was born from Mary. But in John 14, verse number 6, Jesus says something powerful. Because you're right, it, it shouldn't be this way. It shouldn't. That's why Jesus said, I am the way. You're right, it shouldn't be that way. I am the way. You're facing an unsurmountable obstacle. And you don't know how it's going to work out. But Jesus said, I'm the way. You're like, I don't know the way. And Jesus said, I know. I'm the way. He didn't send a plan. He sent a person. He sent a person that was promised. And he came and he lived and he died and he rose again. It's a person we can follow. And he said, confront the fears so that you can firm that calling, so that you can walk in that. You see, our hope has helped this morning. We don't have to walk alone. We don't have to be afraid anymore. You see Irvine when they were building their campus. The architects and the designers got together and they built the buildings and they put everything together. But then they did something unique that most college campuses don't do. And this college campus decided to do it. They, they just put sod everywhere. No sidewalks, just sod. And then they let a whole semester go by and they just watched where the students walked. And they watched where the students made paths. And it was interesting because you know it. You can have a perfectly good sidewalk right here and some good grass right here and where will people walk on the grass there's a sidewalk right there but they walk on the grass so the school said let's put the grass in first and let's watch where the students walk and guess what where they wear out a path that's where we're going to pour the cement that's where we're going to put the sidewalk you see life is experienced in the present but it's only explained in the past and some of us are walking through life saying it doesn't make sense and you would be absolutely right it does not because it won't make sense Because life is experienced in the present, but it's only explained in the past. And it's as we look back and we see that all that God did through this Christmas story that now we can hear from Zechariah, where Zechariah, he gives off faith. And Zechariah, the Bible says that they were going to name the child after Zechariah. And that's when God loosed his lips and he spoke and he said, no, the child's name will be John. And that's when his sound was full of faith. What is the sound you're going to make? It's a season of silence. It's a season of suffering. But is there a faith-filled sound this morning that says, yes, things shouldn't be this way. But I believe in a Jesus this morning. He made a different way. He's my way maker. He's my light bringer. He's my hope restorer. He's my salvation giver. He's the one that walks with me. He's the one that never leaves me. He's the one that's always there. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he will never leave me nor forsake me. Though I sit at the seat of the scornful, I will keep and be faithful to him. He's still there this morning. Jesus walks with you. Our hope can be renewed and restored this morning. Let's say like Mary, be it unto me according to your will this morning. 
God, I surrender my plan. I surrender my will. I surrender my all to you. Remember that old song we used to sing, that old hymn? I surrender all. Well, we would sing it and we'd forget about it two hours later over lunch as we get upset and we get angry. But let's this morning say, God, guess what? I'm dropping my fear. I'm going to confront it. I'm not going to walk in that fear anymore. I'm not going to be afraid of the future because God, you've already seen my tomorrow. You're there in my tomorrow. You're going to meet me there. You've been good. You will be good. God, you were good in my past. You're going to be good in my present and you're going to be good in my future. So this season, though it seems bleak, though there'll be an empty chair at the Christmas table this year, though my heart feels broken this morning, God, I understand that this season, even though it's a season of silence and a season of suffering, God, I will walk in faith because you are good, because you are my way maker. And God, you love me. Can we all stand on our feet this morning? Every head bowed and every eye closed. I said that for 400 years there was silence between Malachi and the New Testament. And there was 400 years. But there's another period in Israel's history where there was 400 years. But it was 400 years of bondage and slavery in Egypt. And then a deliverer came at the end of 400 years and led them into freedom, led them out of captivity. This morning, you may feel like you're in silence and you may feel like you're suffering, but just like there was a period of silence for 400 years, Jesus came on the scene. The season of silence is over this morning. Jesus has shown up. He's here to lead you out of bondage and captivity, to lead you into the promised land, to lead you into life everlasting with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to invite you to say yes to Jesus this morning. If you're sitting here this morning and something has happened inside of your heart, you feel the voice, the still small voice of Jesus saying, say yes to me. You've ran away from him. You've rejected him. You feel like he's hurt you too bad. You've questioned him and you're not sure of his plan and his purpose for your life. And you feel so alone. You feel so abandoned. And it was everything you could do to simply walk through the doors of this church this morning. But you find yourself here and you find yourself empty. But yet this morning you say, I'm going to say yes to Jesus. If you're saying, I've never asked Jesus in my heart, but today I want to invite Jesus to be my Savior. With every head bowed and every eye closed, it's just you and God. Would you slip up your hand and say, I want to say yes to Jesus. Is that you? You want to say yes to Jesus? I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Hands all over. Amen. Amen. Can we pray a prayer together? For those who are coming to God for the first time and those who are coming back to God after a long time, let's all pray together. Would you please repeat after me? Dear God, thank you that you gave a promise. And your promise was fulfilled in Jesus. You are my way maker. You are my life giver. You are my healer. I invite you into my life now. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean by your precious blood. I repent of my old ways. And I receive you now. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer and you mentioned your heart, would you slip up your hands so we could celebrate with you? You just prayed that prayer, let's celebrate. Hands all over the room saying yes to Jesus. That's what it's about. It's people that are going not just from sick to whole, but they're going from death to life. That is the power of the gospel. That is what the Christmas story is all about. For unto you is born this day. For unto you, the Christmas season, you are the reason for the season. He came for you. He died for you. He left heaven for you. You're the reason. So let's lift our voices.
voice and let's sing this morning and worship to a good God who would send Jesus to this earth to send him into darkness to bring light. Let's sing and worship.